It is always a joy and a thrill to hear Jerry Campbell when he is privileged to speak to us. And I invite you to join me in welcoming the Vice President for Development at Church Divinity School of the Pacific, Jerry Campbell. You're very kind. Please be seated. I can, uh, since you've been invited me into this pulpit on a number of occasions, I can only understand that applause as the triumph of hope over experience. <laughs> it's uh, been seven years uh, since I've been visiting with you periodically. Um, I'm actually coming into the end of my work at Church Divinity School of the Pacific. My final day at the seminary will be January 31st, after which point I will be moving to Carlsbad, California, where my uh, wife is uh, the vicar at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Carlsbad. That's probably just too far away to steal any of you um, to her congregation, but I've never been, you know, I can stoop pretty low. Anyway, it was a wonderful drive up from Carlsbad this morning. It's, believe me, at 6 o'clock in the morning, there is hardly anybody on the freeways. You can just zoom right along. Uh, It it is indeed wonderful to be with you. This feels like a second home to me. There's so many faces now that I recognize when I come back, and uh, it's always a delight to share with you in worship, and a delight for me to get a sense of the the vibrancy of, of this congregation. You people are doing really good work here and are to be commended for that. Okay, I I always have a choice now. I've reached that age where I can see my manuscript or I can see you. (laughs) I I cannot do both. So we're going to opt for the manuscript this morning. My Uncle Donald and my Aunt Geneva and my favorite cousins, Judy, Kathy, and Linda, lived in Nashville, Tennessee when I was growing up, or I should say Nashville, Tennessee. They, they had a huge garden, a pond in the backyard, and I loved to listen to them talk. That southern drawl was silky and seductive and had a warmth and charm that melted my eight-year-old heart. We all went to church on Sunday, and while I was aware that their church was different than our church, it it didn't make much difference in my life until that moment of heartfelt goodbyes in the humid summer heat of 1958, when my Aunt Geneva gave my mother a big hug at the front door and said, Why, Marlis, it really is a shame that since you've been divorced, you won't get to be with the rest of us in paradise. (laughs) What I remember is that my mother stood stock still, dazed, while the room filled up with her pain. My father ushered us all out of the house. My mother cried in the car. And it was 10 years before I saw my cousins again. And it was probably 20 years before my mother did anything more than exchange Christmas cards with her brother. 
Our family continued our active involvement in the United Methodist Church, where my brother and sister and I learned that my Aunt Geneva's harsh, judgmental attitude, rooted in her faith tradition, was not what the gospel was all about. The Christianity that we were immersed in was all about generosity, kindness, forgiveness, inclusion, salvation, and an open-hearted caring for the poor, the oppressed, and the lonely. Eventually, my parents and my aunt and uncle reconciled their differences and came together again for family celebrations, even a few joint vacations. My uncle Donald outlived Aunt Geneva and my parents by almost 15 years, even though he was the oldest of the four, and he died just this last year at the age of 92. I suspect that my Aunt Geneva is mildly surprised that all four of them have been reunited in paradise. (laughs) The fact is that the search for Christian unity and the acceptance and celebration of human difference has been a road strewn with bloodshed, heartbreak, and despair. Frederick Beekner observed, When Jesus took the bread and said, This is my body which is broken for you, it's hard to believe that even in his wildest dreams, he foresaw the tragic and ludicrous brokenness of the church as his body. There's no reason why everyone should be Christian in the same way, and every reason to leave room for differences. And if all the competing actions of Christendom were to give as much of themselves to the high calling and holy hope that unites them as they do now to the relative inconsequentialities that divide them, the church would look more like the kingdom of God for a change and less like an ungodly mess. Despite Jesus' persistent invitation that we might all be one, we revel in our differences and we rejoice in being contrary. We hunger for a unique identity, even if that identity is gained by argument and confrontation. Am I the only one here, by chance, who has pressed a point too hard and too long and then taken some pleasure in the reputation it gained me? Anybody? (laughs) The famous theologian, um, the famous theologian Groucho Marx (laughs) has uh, illustrated this propensity for being difficult in his seminal work, Horse Feathers. Uh, and, and However, at this particular point in the sermon, I need your assistance. Uh, you have a part in this brief poem I'm going to read. Uh, in keeping with the forum we had this morning, I think you could call this an antiphon. Okay. Now, when I do like this to you, you're going to say, I'm against it. Think you can do that? Okay, you ready? I'm against it. Yeah, but you have to have a little more feeling, Okay. All right, that's better. Okay, the first two verses here are pure Groucho. Uh, What follows is an interpolation of what a third verse might have been if Groucho had been an Episcopalian. 
I don't care what you have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, and no matter what it is or who commenced it, your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, and even when you've changed it or condensed it, you do not need to share with me your personal theology, whatever it is, even if the Holy Spirit dispensed it, There. Now, didn't that feel good? (laughs) Be bold. Take a stand. Be opposed. So often we feel we can only know our true place in the world by making it really clear what we're against. Some years ago, my wife and I moved into a new community, and while she was uh, settling into her work as the associate rector at the nearby Episcopal Church, I was developing an intimate relationship with the staff at the local hardware store. (laughs) And just down the street from the hardware store, in a quaint but well-kept little storefront, I discovered the St. Mark's Episcopal Church. I was surprised because I didn't know there was another Episcopal Church in town. And one day, when I had to park some distance from the hardware store past the little church, curiosity drew me to the window, and as I shaded my eyes and put my nose to the glass, alas, my gaze was met by an elderly woman arranging flowers and tidying up the small sanctuary. She waved and then came to the door to greet me. I said I was new in the neighborhood, and I was curious about St. Mark's. Would she be so kind as to tell me about her church? And she did. She was charming, articulate, and clear, but in the next ten minutes, I would say you could sum it up briefly, I think, in the routine you already know. There you go. The Revised Standard Version of the Bible, the 1979 Prayer Book, the Ordination of Women, the acceptance of gays and lesbians into the life and ministry of the church, politics both sacred and secular. I learned about everything this woman had been against for the last three decades. (laughs) I finally confessed to being married to an Episcopal priest and in the employ of an Episcopal seminary. But I think that being male, straight, and faithful made up for these failures. We prayed together, we parted cordially, and I wondered to myself, I wondered to myself, if someone asked me about my church and my faith, could I tell them what I'm for rather than what I'm against? So what am I for? I am for Jesus Christ, crucified and risen whose Holy Spirit continues to inspire and invite a hungry humanity into a closer relationship with our Creator. I am for a church and society that recognizes and celebrates the sacred worth of every human being and appreciates the wonder, glory, and fragility of creation. I am for the fundamental unity of the church as a symbol of divine love for the whole world. And I am for the kind of love and acceptance that 
recognizes neither color nor class and a world where people are indeed judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I am for a world at peace and a world at prayer. And I am for the society anticipated by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians, in which there is no longer Jew nor Greek, there is no longer slave nor free, there is no longer male and female, and I might add neither gay nor straight, rich nor poor, right nor left, for we will all be one in Christ Jesus. So in the days and weeks to come, when someone comes up to you and says, you know, I'm new to Huntington Beach, What can you tell me about St. Wilfred's? What will you say? 